This is Tim Hunsey, partner of Parallel Music Publishing and board member of the Nashville Association of Independent Music Publishers. Thanks for listening to the Nashville Pubcast. This episode of the Nashville Pubcast, we have John Barker, president of Clearbox Writing. John puts on his decoder ring and helps break down the Music Modernization Act into simple language you and I can understand. such love and respect for my friends like you, John, that are, are really trying to make the voices heard, really trying to help, as I put it, put all this uh, stuff into to language that I can understand, because I am a simpleton. I'm a meat and potatoes publisher. I understand my administration. I know where my money flows in and out, but when it starts getting super technical, that's I'm, I'm a creative at that point. Yeah. You know? So, And I'm excited to sit here with you because a lot of people are, are really wondering, you know, everybody seems excited about the Modernization Act and these the changes coming, but I don't know, including myself, and I've sat through panels, have a clear understanding about what's going on and where we're at in the process. So I'm just going to basically break this thing down for us. Let's, let's get this, which I know you're great at, uh, put it in a, in a language that I can clearly understand. If if you can. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, I'll try. Yeah. And feel free to butt in yeah, and ask say, questions. I might jump in on you yeah, if, yeah. if I get confused. <clears throat> yeah. Feel free to do that. You know, the, um, you know, where we got, how we got here is, um, you know, the industry way back in Napster days when, when the downloading and all that stuff started happening, um, we as, as, as music or song owners didn't know how to monetize that. Um, and then we tried to ignore it, tried to get rid of Napster. So we, as content owners, and I say that both the record owners, uh, master owners, and the publishing owners, but I'm really coming only from the publisher perspective. Um, we just didn't really do anything about it or try to catch up to speed and figure out how to license it. Fast forward now to you know five years ago, um, we've got Spotify and Apple Music, and we've got legitimate entities that are paying for digital royalties. And we're way behind as as song owners and how to license that and how to collect that. So um, you know, some of these entities came along and said, "Hey, you publishers don't even know who owns the song. We can't even get you guys to talk the same language and de- determine splits or agree on splits." So we, the digital service providers that I'll call DSPs, the DSPs, Spotify, Apple, um, just said we're gonna we're gonna do a shortcut that's in the copyright law section 115, which says if we want to use a song, we can send a notice of intent, or what you'll hear is an NOI. And as long as we send an NOI to the song owner to say we want to use your song or we're going to use your song, then the copyright law says that's a license. Um, Meaning for for me, yeah, I take this understanding that at this point I really have no say so whether they use my music or not. I can't tell them no. So long as they send that, they are absolutely at that point able to use my music without me saying anything. Yeah, the 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 only limitations they have is they've got to jump through whoever submits an NOI has to jump through a number of hoops. Um, but first, the song has to have been publicly released at least one time. Um, and so it can't be a first use. So if you've got a song you're holding for somebody, somebody cannot come up and send an NOI and use the song. That's about the only control you've got. And they can't change it, the song, in any way. They've got to use the song in its basic form. So, so, um, you know, so other than that, they've got to, uh, when the NOI is sent, it's supposed to be sent uh, within 30 days of manufacture of the product, which in digital, there's no manufacture. 
um, it is supposed to be sent before the release of the song or the project. And that's where the digital entities kind of failed miserably, I think, a lot, because um, we would get NOIs from certain entities that you know were postmarked today and the release was two years earlier. Well, that, according to the copyright law, is not an effective NOI, and so it's, it's not a license. And the copyright law is clear to say, if they if they mess up on the NOI, they cannot go back and do it again. So, you know, we had, and most people had, probably over 50% of our repertoire was on Spotify or Apple, and it was not correctly licensed. So we had obviously a problem with that, that some people would, you know, go out and, and sue Spotify and Apple uh, in order to correct that. What what astounds me is is from the time I started getting into the music business to now is that this has been such an issue that we do not have a collective database with all this information at this point in our and in, in the in the history of music because it, it I remember this coming up first time I remember really seeing these licensee issues it's kind of probably been a sub issue in the film and TV world because they you know trying to find out who had something to clear to put it on TV is a challenge they like it easy. But you probably remember this is throwing back. I remember ringtones. Ringtone people wanted to license stuff, and they realized no one knew where the songs were. And this is a discussion that came up then. Why isn't there just a database? I remember sitting at a big panel, and people were talking about it then. And here we are some, I don't know, 10 years later, and we still haven't gotten this figured out. So we can go. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole why we haven't done that yet. But so what... That's one big issue that it's solving. So in, in hearing that, I would assume then if, if, if there is no more NOIs and then there's one place we go to the uh, get the blanket license, this takes the onus or the uh, pressure off of the DSPs now, then they are no longer responsible for that. And they, and the, therefore, I would assume not liable for lawsuits on that. Well, yeah, and, and another another part of the act that, that – a lot of us publishers are not crazy about, but it was a give to get the, the, the this to happen because the DSPs, by the way, are going to pay for the MLC. So the DSPs will will fund this new entity, this collective, to, to, to come about. Um, but the give for that was that we as publishers will agree that that they, the DSPs, if we sue them, they're not liable for damages or attorney's fees. So it's only for actual uh, lack of payment, which, you know, some of the lawsuits that have been filed prior to this, you know, there's $150,000 per infringement uh, potential damages, and you multiply that by a number of songs, you can see why some of these lawsuits are in the millions of dollars of of potential uh, rewards. And that has now gone away. You can't do that anymore for any suit filed according to the act after January 1, 2018. Now, that's only if the act gets passed, but it does go retroactive to say if I filed a suit in February of 2018 and the act passes, then I cannot get statutory damages or attorney's fees. So this collection uh, a company, or who is actually owning or controlling that? Or is it going to be a, a separate entity all to itself? Because the, the DSPs are paying for it. We're supplying the data for it as publishers. Who actually owns it, or what's their control? Yeah, it's a, it's it's um, the requirements are as they stand now. It's a, it's got to be a nonprofit. It's got to be an entity not owned by any other entity. So it's got to be a newly created entity, and it's run by the publishers and songwriters. Right now, the board is made up of ten publishers and five songwriters, according to the to the act. Um, and so the MLC will be paid for by the DSPs run by the publishers and songwriters as a nonprofit. Um, however, the act does say 
that the MLC can do more than just blanket licenses if it wants to administer other kind of licenses. It can certainly do that for a reasonable fee. So it doesn't limit it in what it can do, but it does say it cannot be something that's now existing. Wow, that's yeah. that's a lot to take in. Now on the on the board that is going to run it, you said there'll be songwriters and publishers. Is it is it been split on does a certain amount have to be independents or can it be majors or is it, or how what is that looking like at this point? Has that been discussed? It's been discussed, and that's one where I've got certain opinions on the way it needs to be. Um, it, it has not been stated that it needs to be a certain number of independents, a certain number of majors. Um, it what it does say is that um, the MLC must be supported by the majority of copyright owners or owners of copyrights. And we're not sure if that means number of songs or revenue, but so the majority of the marketplace needs to support it, but the board can be made up of all large publishers, a few indie publishers, and I, you know, but, but, but at least five songwriters or five songwriters. And I think some of us on the independent side say, you know what, we need to make sure there's a good independent publisher voice. So why don't we make sure that there's at least five independent publishers on there so that when a decision is made, there's five majors, five indies, and four writers. I'm sorry, four. I said five writers, four writers um, that make up the decision. So two groups have to combine together to do something rather than... Um, large publishers only making the decision. Are there any other nuggets in here that have stood out that are exacting some other change that we should be looking for? Yeah, I, just quickly, you know, there's a there's an interest rate um, that now is part of late payments. If that ever happens, that's never been in the copyright law before. That's a good thing. Um, there are some things um, that uh, stipulate that decisions that the CRB, which is the Copyright Royalty Board, when they decide rates, they can now use a willing seller, willing buyer standard, which they could not do before. Which basically means let's go out and look in the general marketplace. What's the practice been? And let's take that into account as we determine a rate. They used to be very limited on what they could do. Uh, ASCAP BMI and consent decrees had to have a specific judge. That's been um, backed off of some, so there can be rotating judges, which everybody thinks is more fair. Um, Classics Act is part of this, which means that recordings that are pre-1972 – um, will must get paid from like Sirius XM and, and Pandora, which they don't have to be legally paid for now. Um, and then there's a there's a, a change for producers and uh, people involved in recordings to be able to directly get royalties from sound exchange rather than de- being dependent on the record companies and the artists. So those are the primary things I think in the bill. There's a lot of other little things in there, but um, I think that's the good thing, and it's all good. Plus that coming along with you know, we did go through the recent five-year uh, copyright royalty review board where our rates increased. So we as publishers now get a raise in addition to the MMA coming well, that, down. I, I've heard this. So if you'd be so kind, if you're prepared to do so, explain to me how much of a raise I'm getting in real language. Like, what does this mean for me? Like, I, however, it's easier to break that down because I like raises. But is this just like a few more micro pennies or is this going to be something substantial, do you think? I, I really think it's substantial. Um, and it's primarily in the digital 
digital marketplace, uh, the, the interactive streamings, the Spotify's, the Apple's. Um, and what it is right now, well, as uh, up until January 118, the rate by the Copyright Royalty Board was basically a 10.5% of the revenue of, like, so let's say Spotify. I'll pick on Spotify. So Spotify, 10.5% of your revenue. There's other kind of formulas and stuff in there. Less what's paid to the PROs, ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, which is roughly half. Um, then the leftover, the other half, goes to the publishers. But it's based on 10.5%. Um, the raise basically takes that 10.5% and over five years brings it up to 15.1% in the fifth year. Um, as of today, I think we should be at 1102 we're not necessarily getting paid on that because the act hasn't passed. But when it gets passed, I'm sorry, because the rates, this is not the act. The, the, the CRB um, approved the, 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 the rates, but um, it, it has to wait for a period of time so that it's not argued, which I think they've got maybe another month or whatever before the DSPs may come along and say we don't like that. Once they are, remain silent, silent on that, then it will be effective and we will be, I think, at the 11.2 rate starting January 1 of 18. So basically, it's a 44% increase. Um, and just to give you an example, um, the ratio in the physical world when CDs, for those of us that can remember buying CDs in somewhere in the high teens, um, the ratio was um, the record company would make about 14 times what the, the songs made, 14 to 1. Um, it got down to 12 to 1, and some of the streaming services now are as good as 6 to 1. But what this new rate will do in five years is 3.8 to 1, meaning the record companies are making less than four times what we as publishers are making, which you know, you, you, you've heard me say enough. Um, what's the real value between a recording and a song? Should they be somewhat equal in the synchronization world? We say they are. And that's a free market. That's the only free market we've ever been able to operate. Like for the last. You can negotiate even. Yeah. Yeah. You can negotiate. And we all have yeah. agreed the master and the song are equal. They're split 50-50. Well, by this act, we're going to get to 3.8 to 1. It's much closer. It's still not 1 to 1, but it's the closest we've been since there's ever been a music business. So it's a good thing. Another side, our audience is a lot of independent music publishers and young artists and writers. And uh, what are great ways for them to get involved in this if they want to, to help continue to support ways to get their voices heard and make sure that their music's taken care of? Well, great question because, um, you know, it's really here's what I found, Tim. I think um, when, when Maria Palanti came in town, we invited her here with an organization I was involved in, and she said yes. So she came, I spent the day with her, and I said, uh, when you guys do these reviews, you should come to Nashville. They had never done that before. Well, they came, and she said, you need to come to Washington. Well, I did, and she kind of got me into some doors, and I'm realizing, you know what? All I am is one guy that happened to be with an organization that invited her down, and, and she said, we want to hear from you people. 
So I took that serious, and I've been to D.C. you know numerous times every year since. And you just call an office and say, here's who I am, um, and I'd like to talk to somebody about this. You usually won't get the actual member. Um, you'll get their assistants or their staffers. But then once you go enough, you'll get the members as well. And and you can be a voice that they are interested in hearing because they they get tired, the members in Congress, Senate, and House, get tired of hearing the lobbyists who are paid to talk to them. But if they hear from somebody like you or me, who this is our livelihood and we have real opinions that impact our business, they want to know what that is. And they're very interested in hearing that. So I would say to answer your question, how can people get involved? Um, talk to your congressman and, and, and go up to Washington, you know, and just, just have one, two or three points to say, you know what, this is important to me. It's not, you know, life changing or it's not, it's not anything way out of, the, uh, out of the blue, but it's something that's important to me. And, and here's why it's important to me, and I just wanted you to know that. You, you need to expect that you'll have no more than 15 minutes with even a staffer. You may have a meeting in a busy hallway because they don't have offices there, but they listen and it's effective. So I would say anybody that cares about this in any way as a songwriter or as a publisher, um, get your butt to Washington and talk to some people because they want to hear from you. We've been very active in having mine go up through other organizations as well and, and playing for the congressmen and doing and there it changes their lives. Anytime they go up there, they always come back and feel empowered and it's sometimes it's it's a little intimidating because of everything you said. It the way it works is amazing, but on the other side the I do feel that they listen and they are attentive and and to our needs and now is the time to be doing this because it's a it's a very pivotal time. Like, like you mentioned, it's, it's been a hundred years since we've really had a good overhaul of all this stuff. And man, if there's ever a time for it, it surely's now. Cause, uh, as you've been an administrator, you know, our bottom lines have been squeezed a bit and, but we're still here and we're still making great music. And, uh, it's great to, uh, to see the legislative side starting to catch up for us. And, and you know what I am, I mean, I'm an optimistic person anyway, but I think as a publisher, as a song owner right now, we are in a great time because we just got a raise. We're about to have a system get corrected through the MMA. Um, and more people are listening to more music than ever before. And we're actually getting paid for it better than we ever have in the past. Thanks for listening to the Nashville AIMP podcast. For more information, check out AIMP.org or follow us at Nashville AIMP on Instagram. The Nashville AIMP would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, SoundExchange and Jamber. SoundExchange develops business solutions for the entire music industry. They collect and distribute royalties on behalf of more than 155,000 recording artists, master right owners, and music publishers. SoundExchange have paid out more than $5 billion in royalties. SX Works serves the licensing administration needs of music publishers around the world and operates CMRRA, which represents music publishers and administers mechanical rights for the majority of songs recorded, sold, and broadcast in Canada. Jamber wants to know if you're looking for an easier way to capture song splits at the point of creation and organizing your catalog. Jamber is our podcast sponsor, and they are offering listeners a first look at their songwriter and publisher apps that allow songwriters to collaborate when inspiration strikes. Go to jamber.com forward slash AIMP to sign up today.
We appreciate you listening to the Nashville Pubcast. Stay tuned for an all-new episode next week.